this entire thing from the beginning, I felt has been just such a drastic government overreach. Everything from the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the stay-at-home orders. Hey, what's shaking? This is Rick Jordan. Welcome back to All In. Real special treat for you today. This is, I'm, I'm really pumped. Really, really pumped because this is somebody that I know and we shared a death threat moment together. It was pretty fantastic. <laughs> Lindsey Graham, what's shaking? <laughs> uh, this program is shaking, it sounds like. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> I have a lot of fun. You have a lot of fun. I, uh, I let in with something that was almost like kind of a bombshell, which was cool because we were filming the documentary, which, by the way, um, Jeff was just texting me just a minute ago saying, like, dude, this is so good. He spent <sighs> the last week. It's so close. He spent the last week getting it down from like two hours and 45 minutes down to an hour and 35 minutes now. So wow. it, it's in the it's in the very last phases. It'll be ready in like just a few days, which is pretty. Oh, fantastic. I'm so excited! I am just I'm just chomping at the bits, waiting to see that. I I just saw you know the 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 sneak preview, the the kind of the glimpse. Yeah. And it's just amazing to me. That's a whole other art that I'll never know anything about is film editing. And just the preview was like oh, goosebumps and chills oh, and I like dram- dramatization. <laughs> so I can imagine the film is going to be fantastic. It's gripping because I. I'm not involved in the editing process at all. I'm executive producer, host, you know, but when I, like when I was interviewing you, that was almost like the extent of it. And then we talk about the business side and the backside of it. But when I saw the, the teaser trailer for the first time too, uh, it was just everything. It was like validation. Like this is the message that really needs to get out there. Yes. Yes. There is a, there is a pretty powerful message. He did convey that I believe in the preview. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are concerned with like, you know, what message are they going to convey that, that this is fine that the government locks us down. And I was like, Nope, that's not the message I'm getting. Right so <laughs> that's exciting. For sure. Right on. Uh, we'll, we won't spend a lot of time on the, cause I want to get to a lot of your story, but I let in with, uh, with that we shared a death threat together. Cause while we were filming <laughs> right in the middle of it, the dude held up a pizza box which yeah. was, a, I can't remember everything. That was, I've got a photo of this too, but I can't remember everything that was said on there, but it was just like, literally like, watch your back. I'm going to kill you. Yes. I remember. I remember what it said. <laughs> <laughs> it said, um, it said, you're no hero. You're a murderer. Watch your back. Uh, might've called me a, the B word. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was, a... but then he rode away on his little bicycle. Yes, he did. That was crazy. I mean, it was... so clear. Clearly, I'm very threatened by this little biker, this little biker kid. No doubt. No doubt. What was really cool was that, and I don't, I don't think we captured this part on film, but that pizza box, I remember, came from pizza that you bought something like 85 guys who just yes. l- like armed themselves and guarded your salon the night before, right? Yep. Yeah. So he used my own pizza box to threaten me. He, he must've dug it out of our dumpster. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pizza that I bought because, uh, either, you know, two or three nights prior, uh, my salon was threatened with, um, the riots. People were saying that, Oh, go burn the salon down, you know, beat up Lindsay, uh, loot and riot her salon. Um, so about 85 armed men and women, um, showed up outside my salon and vowed to protect it at all costs. And actually, you know, the whole entire downtown Salem had about three, I want to say 300 people. Um, if you went on a walk around downtown, they were on every corner, they were outside every business. Um, so it wasn't just, you know, the people that I had asked to come. Uh, it seemed like they had rallied people and they didn't just protect my salon. They went and protected the entire downtown Salem. And actually the um, Salem police department recognized that we probably were not rooted, rioted and looted because of that, because there was such a strong power and, and uh, presence before they even got to that point. Wow. So that's pretty exciting. That was exciting. I know I met a couple of the guys that were just out there after we were done shooting when we were there and it was just amazing dudes, just Patriots. Yeah. Patriots. And, yeah. Actually I was on a, um, I was on an airplane a couple weeks ago and I was wearing my, you know, keep America great hat um, just waiting. It was just waiting for the comments. And the guy behind me says, I like your hat. And I said, thanks. And he was wearing one too. And uh, a couple seconds go by and he goes, do you own Glamour Salon? And I was like, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> and he said, 
I was outside your salon. I protected it. I I, I came armed and <gasps> oh. I stood outside and I was like, what? What are the chances? That's awesome. So cool. Here, let yeah. me buy you a wine on the plane, please. Yes, yeah. yeah. When they start serving again, I've got you. Yeah, no kidding. You know, Delta is serving again, which is interesting. Oh, this is just a completely aside thing, but I, I was on my way to Seattle a couple of weeks ago, and th the guy was so nice because, I mean, this is – I've seen a lot of things. Like, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've seen people wishing that they didn't have to go back to work and still leech off of unemployment, and I've seen uh -huh. the other side of it just really, really happy to see customers again and grateful that they have jobs, paying jobs. Yeah. It's been interesting the past couple months. You know, you said yeah. a lot's and changed. And there's no middle ground. It seems there like isn't, no. it's, there isn't. There's not, no middle. Not like, at oh, all. I'm impartial. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This this Delta flight. This guy came back and he handed me a, a red wine, and it was first class. And he's like, "Here you go." But then he hand wrote a note to everybody in first class, and just said, "Hey, we I really appreciate." His name was Garrett. I still I saved the note because it was the best like wow. customer experience I've ever had on any airline, any flight. This so yeah. really glad to have you back. It's like you guys are trailblazers. You're you're showing everybody that's safe again like this was the kind of phrasing in this personal handwritten note from the first class flight attendant and afterwards he goes i know you really enjoyed the wine he goes here's four more bottles for you and he put them in a bag he goes for you to take back to your hotel with you tonight that way you, you know because oh nothing's really open in seattle but this way you can still have access to wine uh, I, I th wow. thought, and then he actually wrote a thank you card even after. So I got a welcome card at the beginning of the flight and then a, then a thank you card with two ex extra masks in it. Because <laughs> if, <you, laughs> if you need a mask going around town, here here's some extra disposable ones for you, some medical ones. Because, I, I mean, some places, you know, at the beginning of this whole thing, you know, it was like, screw it. I'm not going to wear a mask. I know the science behind right. it, you know, all this other stuff. But then as it went along, I've I've gone through like these phases and I – of thinking, I don't want to instill fear in other people, but then at the same time, understanding that in order to even live life in shop places, because now, just like you, and this is going to transition into like your business, I promise here, because small businesses and any kind of business really should be able to set their own rules regardless, right? right? So when right. they set the rules of saying, if you want to patronize our store, then you need to wear a facial covering. I'm like, okay, because it's not mandated by the state. And it's because it's a small business and you're laying the ground rules for yourself for everything that you're responsible for. I actually respect that a lot more than I do any kind of state or federal mandate because it's their yeah. choice. It's a small business owner's choice. Right. And then it becomes the customer's choice, too. Right now, it's not it's not anyone's choice. Um, if I was given the choice to. Um, shop at store A or store B and store A says we require masks, I'm going to take my business to store B because yeah. of my beliefs. But that's then now store A can decide for themselves, is this working for us? Is this really what, you know, what we want to stand for? And store store B can decide the same thing. Some people aren't going to go to store B because they don't feel safe because they're not mandating masks and they'll lose some customers. Store A will lose customers like me who refuse to wear a mask, vice versa. It's probably going to even out in the end, uh, ironically. Sure. But at least we have the freedom to choose, and then the business has the freedom to choose. And we're all given our American rights back. <laughs> I feel like I need a big gong over here because that's exactly what I was thinking. Is it's the freedom of choice. Each yeah. of those options are the freedom of choice. And yep. that's this, what this, I fully support. Yeah, this entire thing from the beginning, I've felt, has been just such a drastic government overreach. Everything from the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the stay-at-home orders, it's like... You know, your job as the government is to inform us correctly and truthfully, okay, not using the media, using actual government outlets, is to inform us of the actual risks statistically, and then we are given the choice how we want to handle those risks. It's just like getting in a car. We all know the statistics about car-related deaths, accident deaths, deaths while you're not wearing a seatbelt. Um, we have the right to get in a car and drive somewhere because we've been educated about how dangerous it is or is not the same with COVID-19 or any disease it or flu in the future yeah. should be, okay, here's what we know so far. Um, this is what we're suggesting. If you are compromised, you should probably stay home and avoid a lot of contact with other people. If you're not, please be aware that you could infect someone who's compromised. However, you make that decision. And those of you who are terrified and or highly compromised, 
you you should and could make the choice to stay home, which is very smart. And those of you like me, who from the very beginning was never afraid of getting COVID or contracting COVID or even, you know, giving COVID to someone, I'm going to choose to continue to live my life as normal. And I have suffered no consequences by doing so. I'm with you. I'm 100. You know, I'm with you. I mean, that's a. I know. A, I know. <laughs> you know. I go on these rants, and you're probably just like, uh-huh, I know. I yep. know. I know. <laughs> no, it's great because it's not my voice, and that which is awesome because it's a shared voice, and it, I. A lot of us really feel the same way, and I want to get into what's changed too since we saw each other. I think that was what May. I think it was because it. Yes, and we're it would not, have been probably the end of May. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before we go into that, I remember this thing because I remember walking into your salon in the glamour salon and the first thing you said when you saw me because here i've got the jacket i brought the jacket with right oh yeah the jacket. <laughs> this guy <laughs> i walk yes. in because this is what i wore for the interview and i walk in like oh yeah he's total la i was like what <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what did not, what did jeff tell you about <laughs> i never I got to that i don't think he told me i don't think he told me much of anything that you're the I think you're the are you the producer of yeah, the, the yep. documentary but either way I think it was in my office when you came in and I was like who is that guy he is not from here and I actually thought you might have been someone's client and I was like that is so cool that we're attracting those kind of people like these you know high-end like metro dudes that are like trendy and like looking dapper and then I when I saw you with Jeff, I was like, oh, of course you're with a film producer. Of course you are. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I hear that. I'm like, I'm from Chicago. I'm like, I don't really know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I bet you stand out in Chicago, though. I do a little bit, yeah. There's not yeah, too many people yeah. that drive Aston Martins in Chicago either. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. That's a, that's one thing I've always thought, and I'm starting to go with like you know more more blacks and dark colors now, just because it's uh, it looks better on camera. I mean that's just kind of how it is, but right. uh, but I don't know. I, I've always I've always dressed loudly because mm-hmm. I felt that what I, who I am on the outside should be or on the inside should be expressed by what I wear on the outside. I mean you have tattoos, right? You have a lot of I, them, and yes, that, that's yes, the same principle, I'm right? Sleeved, yes, yes, <laughs> sleeved, and it's. It's ironic because like what you're saying is who you are on the inside should be who you are on the outside. And I feel like tattoos portray like this, you know, this large and in charge kind of badass, um, hardcore person. And that's kind of not really who I am inside. So it's kind of funny because some people will, they'll get a different impression of me, um, who I am just based on the dark hair and the tattoos. Um, I had like my, one of my best friends I've had for 20 years or something, um, she confessed to me that when her mom first met me, um, she made that, you know, that kind of judgment about me. And then later she said, boy, that Lindsay, she's just the nicest girl. You know, you wouldn't know it by all those tattoos, but she's, she's pretty sweet inside. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, that's great. She thought I was, yeah, she thought I was this hardcore girl. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's so funny because I've gotten that too. I used to dress in all black when I was a teenager, and everyone thought that I was just this like rebellious teenager. I was in some sense, but at the same time, you know, it's like dad died raising my brother and sister. I had a lot more responsibilities than most adults had at the time. Mm-hmm. It was still living life and just getting things done. But I just chose to dress how I dressed, you know, and it's it's interesting the perspectives that people had ha- or have of you. I um, yeah. So we we saw each other back in May. And there's a lot yes. that's changed since then, right? There's there's a lawsuit that's taking place right now. You're, you're looking at your future. Where where is everything right now? Where do you see things landing? What what's happened? Well, what's happened and where I see things landing is very very different because um, so much about my life has changed that wow. I could never have predicted that I'd be who I am today or that I'd be in this position today. Or I'd be the girl saying, you know, that people are saying is representing Oregon in all these lawsuits. Um, that was never my intention. Um, so I don't know where everything's going to land. I, I I refuse to make predictions about my life moving forward because I really have no idea what what all of this is going to entail. Um, it's taken so many different turns throughout the process, and each have been shocking. So I'm like, well, I guess, you know, talk to me again, Rick, in three months. We'll see where, I, where I'm at. Um, but as far as like, you know, the process, um, a lot has changed. You know, you guys, I think, had met with me probably a few weeks uh, after I 
opened against the mandate. And um, I don't know if we had been allowed to reopen yet because, you know, our governor did eventually say, oh, you, you can reopen. I think it was like May 18th. Um, and I had opened May 5th. Yeah. So about two and a half, three weeks before the government said we could. Um, but after she said we could open, things kind of calmed down quite a bit. It was just like, cool, let's just do hair now and get, get back to normal life. Um, but, you know, since then, there's there's been new things. Like now they're requiring us to wear masks in salons. The stylists have to wear them all day long. Um, and we have to enforce them upon our customers. Um, and I do not, I don't enforce masks on my customers. Um, I give the independent contractors there the right to decide if they want to wear a mask. Um, some of them do like maybe two of them, the rest do not. We're really enjoying our freedom to work and be able to breathe, you know, fresh air. Um, and we are not enforcing any masks on any clients that come in the door. So, but we haven't gotten in trouble for that. So yeah, I remember that, that OSHA sentence. was like a big deal at the beginning when you open up, have they come back? Like, especially for the mask thing, I could see them knocking your door down. Uh, so this is what I think. And I, I could check with my attorney about this, but from what I understand, because OSHA visited me and conducted an investigation and because they've cited me, um, they actually cannot come back on the premises during an open and pending investigation. Oh. So because there's open litigation, it almost is just a shoe in that we we can do what we want to do in my salon, which is all right. And, and I don't think OSHA can come in and enforce the mask mandate because there's a pending litigation. Uh, I also know that because I don't have employees, OSHA really doesn't have jurisdiction. So, and, and really OSHA doesn't have jurisdiction in any business uh, forcing them to mandate masks on their customers. Huh. Because OSHA is based on like employee um, welfare and safety, right? They're making yeah, sure that yeah. the boss is making sure that the, the employees are safe. That has nothing to do with whether the clients are wearing masks, not at all. So OSHA really shouldn't be inserting themselves into, you know, say grocery stores and saying, we're going to, we're going to cite you if you don't make your customers wear masks. That's really not their jurisdiction. I think they're just, I think the OSHA is someone that the government's using as a, as a, you know, an agency to try to threaten and overpower us. Sure. Um, so, but anyway, sorry, I'm on a rant, no, but you're... <laughs> OSHA, I don't think, I don't think OSHA can come back into my salon as long as we have something in litigation. So uh, the original so we one. Are, the original yep. OSHA investigation was just about exposure to COVID, if I remember right, wasn't it? That, yes. That's why they stepped in and, and why they were so freaky about you reopening? Yeah, their original investigation was that um, still, they're still actually trying to say that I endangered my employees because they're, they're, they tried to uh, determine that my independent contractors are employees and they are not. Well, they used some hocus pocus language out of my lease to say that, you know, for example, um, I enforce a dress code because um, it's my salon um, and I, you know, request, I don't even require, but I request that they keep their schedules on, you know, the scheduling system. Yeah. They're saying that those silly reasons, those silly things in my lease make my independent contractors employees. And so that's why they cited me that I'm endangering my employees by opening <laughs> against the mandate. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's uh Yeah. I know that's a that's like an IRS classification thing when it comes to business, but it's not those specific things. It has to do with the employees controlling things that would normally be controlled by the employer, and that's what yes. reclassifies them. Which that's not what you're talking about here, you know, because no. you're not dictating how they do their work, when they do their work, and those are the things according to the IRS is what shifts that from the independent contractor world over to W two, a regular employee. Yeah, you know, but that's right. a, you're. Maybe it's Oregon law or something like that. I don't. Is this what the lawsuit's about that's going on right now with you? Um, it's no. So that's the OSHA citation, which was $14,000. That's in litigation. And that is just that basically I have an OSHA attorney um, for that. Um, so we will be going to court soon-ish uh, to decide if they're going to throw that citation out because I think that they're going to be pretty embarrassed in court once we prove how many <laughs> different yeah. ways that they're wrong. So my attorney's hoping that they just drop the citation completely. Uh, however, my lawsuit is with a different attorney. Um, his name is Ross Day and he's a constitutional attorney. 
he is filing a suit against Governor Kate Brown as a governor, uh, Governor Kate Brown as a person, uh, Oregon OSHA, Oregon Health Licensing and Oregon Health Authority and Child Protective Services for harassment, um, basically for harassing me when I did open, uh, for violating my 14th Amendment constitutional right, and um, a slew of other things, uh, basically all surrounding the idea that I had the right to open my business and everything that happened afterward was illegal and unconstitutional. Wow. That, I remember Ross. We interviewed Ross a little bit too. And at yes, that time, yeah. it was more of like just protecting you in the moment. So this has turned into lawsuits now, which is kind of yes. fantastic, you know, because at that point, I think there was talk. I mean, this was five months ago. There was talk about potential lawsuits, but it, really it was more of a of a protective standpoint for you because your kids were in danger at that point in time. And I, I remember that, you know, has that all quieted down now with the with the Department of Child Services and all that? Yes. Okay. So they yeah, they had visited me. My heart broke. I want to say three days after I opened yeah. it with a completely bogus report that was pushed through. It was pushed on like, it was pushed into an emergency mode, like go visit this house. These children are, are this much in danger. It, I mean, it was so dramatic that it can't be anything other than, you know, one more attempt to threaten me. Um, so they, they tried a couple more times to communicate with me. My attorney said, don't speak to them. Don't, don't have any communication with them whatsoever for them my information and we filed a tort claim and a tort claim is basically saying what we believe what you're doing is unlawful and we plan to take legal action later and so you are not permitted to destroy or dispose of any documents or records or communication records anything so once we filed that tort claim hmm. and i made it public on my public page uh the next day Child Protective Services called and said, oh, the, the case has been closed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, mm, shocking. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Just because you fought yeah. back. That's fantastic. That's a beautiful life lesson right there, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, whether it's government agencies, which happens. Obviously, it happens. It's happened a lot over the past couple of months, too, in a lot of different places. You're one of the more public figures for that to say, hey, this is actually really what's going on during the pandemic because it is political agenda. It absolutely right. is political agenda. There's no other reason for that. You know, and I remember right. the, the mayor or the governor of Oregon was very similar to the mayor of Chicago. And I, I remember we were laughing about this, but when salons were closed and then, of course, Pelosi makes the news, too, for the same yeah. thing. It's like the freaking double standards. Yeah. That's the most frustrating thing, I'm sure, for you, especially because this is your living. Right. To, to say you know, what you do is unsafe and we don't believe that you can do it safely. And instead of giving you a choice to try to do it safely or to prove that you can do it safely, you just can't work. Sorry. And then to say, but I can be a client in that, uh, in that industry, I can get my hair done safely, but I get to choose who gets to do it and make their living. I mean, it's it's so hypocritical it's not it doesn't even need explanation obviously it's hypocritical and i believe firmly that kate brown was getting her hair done um she was you know doing videos and uh, press press updates and um all kinds of you know video zoom meetings and she she's pretty old she probably has gray hair <laughs> she never had gray hair during that time so i mean the home girl is not touching up her roots in her bathroom i don't i don't think yeah. No. So yeah, she she got her hair done the whole time. Wow. What's the what's the lawsuit? Can, are you allowed to talk about that? What's the what are the complaints in the lawsuits? Because you said against the state of Oregon, right? Against uh, Kate Brown as a person and as a governor, and then I forgot the third one at this point. Sorry, it slipped my mind. Oh, that's okay. So um, so after I opened, pretty much every single day after I opened, a new government agency was issuing me a threat. Um, and the threats came from, uh, the Oregon health licensing office. They threatened to take away my salon's facility license and they threatened to take away my license as a hairstylist. So not only could I not work, I can't even own the salon. The salon can't operate. Like they were going to take it away forever. Wow. Um, I was threatened by the city of Salem who holds my lease and they threatened, they sort of, you know, hinted at, if you remain open, you're violating your lease. And so there could be consequences. Um, Child Protective Services, of course. And then Oregon Health Authority sent an email trying to 
um, enforce a new regulation seriously based on the fact that I opened against the mandate. They created a whole new regulation just for it. Um, and they threatened to, they threatened, uh, to shut me down, uh, issue a 5,000 to $50,000 citation per day. Um, and, oh, wait, or wait, arrest. 5,000 to $50,000 citation per day. Did I hear that right? Per day. Yes. Yes. It was very, very vague. It was like, if you continue to violate this order, the citation could range from 5,000 to $50,000 per, per day. Like Holy it was just hell. like. It was what ridiculous, the? yeah. And at that point, with that kind of ridiculous threat, I was like, no, you, you really don't have the authority to do that. So, like, this is just, it's just so, so dramatic. Like, it, they're so clearly trying to bully me and, and scare me that it became like, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm just going to keep staying open. <laughs> you know, it's a crazy thing in situations like these is be, I, I always say, and maybe I'm the weirdo for thinking this way, but you, they're coming from government agencies, right? All of these threats that you have, but yet uh -huh. there's always a freaking human being that has to deliver these threats to you. And, right. and that's the way that it, like it, it, I'm able to actually maybe bridge the gap and look at that person and be like, is this something that you really, really believe in? You know, do, yeah. is it, uh, because you're telling me that for over the next week, I could be fined $350,000. How much do you make in a year doing this job? You know, right. Does any of this go to you? I don't think it does. So is this something because you are literally responsible now as a person? You know, I don't care about the agency, anything else. Maybe your mm -hmm. name's Bill. I don't know. We'll call you Bill. <laughs> Bill. Bill, Bill. Why do you feel like you personally, Bill Thompson, hey, I made up his name right now, Bill Thompson. <laughs> There's really a Bill Thompson out there and he's pissed right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Bill Thompson, you make $60,000 a year and you want to try to take away from me, my family, because I probably make combined with my husband, maybe, maybe like the, it's similar, right? We'll just say it's similar. I don't care. Sure. But whatever, for the case of, of this conversation. But he's a human being and being like, Bill, how would you like it if somebody came and fined you $350,000? I'm just trying to work just like you are, man. Right. And that's the that's the irony of it, too, is the people delivering these threats to me, they still have a job. They're literally doing their job by threatening me and sending me these letters. And it's like, wait a second. You're saying it's okay for you to come into contact with me and make these threats to me while collecting your government paycheck and your uh, health benefits and your paid time off and your vacation leave, you're delivering me threats of thousands of thousands of dollars for doing the same exact thing, just working. Because it doesn't matter what our career is. If we if, if we have a job, if we're working, it's essential that we work. So it's very ironic that the people delivering these threats saying you shouldn't be working are working. Wow. That's yeah. mind-blowing to me. So what's yeah. uh, what's the, or the, the complaints you have against Kate Brown as a person. I'm curious about this because of where Ross is going with the lawsuit. Um, you know, that is a great question. I believe, I believe it's really to kind of cover our bases that, um, acting as a governor, she never had the authority to, to create and uphold these mandates and sustain them, uh, and enforce them. But then if she weren't the governor, uh, we want to hold her personally responsible as well, because if she was acting out of her, out of her authority as a governor, then she was acting as a person. Wow. And so she's still liable personally for the things that she's done to me. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. That's a, a that was like <laughs> mind blown right there because it, yeah, if she, I wonder if that's, I don't know how state law reads. I know Ross does, you know, Ross is pretty freaking knowledgeable with this stuff. Your mm -hmm. attorney and, that's an interesting concept when you say, hey, if you were outside of your authority as a governor and you did these things, it's almost, I'm relating it back to what I know and what I do. It's like piercing the corporate veil, right? You know, in, in business, what we have, because if somebody wrongs a client or whatever it is, a business wrongs a client, but then the client can come back and sue the company, but the attorneys always try to find a way to pierce mm -hmm. the corporate veil to obtain, to go after assets of the individual for civil right. liabilities, for damages, right? So right. Th this sounds like it's a similar type concept. And if she's operating outside of the authority she has as the governor, what, what the thought process is is that, well, then you are just acting as another person. And as right. another person, all of a sudden at that point, that becomes harassment. That becomes, you yes. know. Yes, yes, especially, wow. especially if she used 
especially she used her position to send these agencies after me. Um, we've got multiple people that have come forward that have said that they've heard distinct, you know, make sure you go after Lindsey Graham or make sure, you know, things like that. So it's like she used, she used and abused that power, especially if she didn't have it um, to threaten me. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. And it should be that, you know, we've tried to recall her a couple of times and this last recall, we were short 3000 signatures. If she got recalled, then, you know, she's not governor anymore. So now I'm suing the governor. That's not the governor. Well, I want to make sure I can still sue her. Or what she did as a governor so because yeah, the governor is itself it, that's an office it's almost like an entity it's kind of like suing mm-hmm. a business is like 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 i was just saying there yeah the governorship right. is an office it's almost a like a thing of itself you know i don't know yes. any other way to put that but it's it's like a figurehead right you know it's like yes. it's like a container you're suing an empty box if the thing is yeah. taken out of the box how does that work yeah i, I feel you on that where yep. where is this going because uh <laughs> there's a little prompter i have here for my production team and they just put we have bill on the phone i <laughs> just see that <laughs> that's fantastic that is poor, awesome. poor bill thompson <laughs> oh man oh, I, uh, my gosh. where is it where is this going because you're talking about your future and what's this that you're you said you're representing oregon and a lot of other things too well, you know, a lot of people have said that. I, I like, I, I don't know. I just, I think I'm just a, a salon owner that just wanted to work and I opened and that's, that's that. But there's a lot of people, you know, fortunately and unfortunately that are, that are counting on me to pursue this lawsuit uh, because it needs to set precedence in Oregon. You know, yeah. Pennsylvania passed through their courts that their government, their governor's mandates are completely obsolete. They're illegal and unconstitutional. Um, and Michigan just passed a couple days ago in the Supreme Court that their governor uh, could not lawfully impose, regulate, or enforce their shutdowns or mask mandates, none of it. And they've now said that the governor is open to lawsuits because businesses can now sue the governor because these you know, mandates were unconstitutional. So we've got you know two in the courts already that have said mask mandating and lockdowns and shutdowns and stay-at-home orders are unconstitutional and, and they wisconsin were. was one of the first ones i think way back oh, when wisconsin it, was yeah that, that was I, mean, I only know that because that's just north of me yeah even before okay. i think it was it was right around the time that i was out by you in may that that went to the oh, supreme okay. court because pritzker in illinois was just freaking out thinking that everybody was going to go across the border to all the now open bars because yeah. their thing was that the state of emergency could not be extended past 30 days that went to the wisconsin supreme court so the the subsequent orders were nullified by their supreme court which effectively and immediately affected just ended the lockdowns that they had in wisconsin never been back that was almost that was like on day like 38 or 39 or something like that because it just went to the supreme court it was amazing but yeah pritzker thought everybody was going to go across the border and then bring covid back yeah, and that's because right. yeah. like COVID the, only travels across yeah, the border yeah, when exactly. you know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, I'm curious with your business, right? With the salon, have you seen uh, recovery since then? How's business going? And I'm also curious: uh, Did all of your stylists come back? Um, that's man. That's such a sensitive subject. I lost, you know, almost all my stylists wow. with this controversy. Yeah, I had a very successful 25 station salon. Everyone was thriving and doing well. As far as I was aware, everyone was happy at the salon. Um, but what I did brought so much controversy that, you know, some of them didn't believe what I believed. And so they, they left because they couldn't support me. Some of them believed what I believed, but they weren't strong enough to endure it. Some of them believed in me, but it was affecting their business too much. And so they had to make a leave. And then some of them got so much government handout money that they thought, well, I'm going to go open my own studio because when am I going to get this opportunity again? The government gave them so much free money, so much that they were, you know, I want to say four or five of them were able to just go open their own studios. So the turnover, I did not expect it. I mean, from the beginning, I'd heard a lot of, you know, you're so brave. We support you. This is awesome what you're doing. Thank you for standing up for us. And then this trickle effect happened where the left and, you know, liberals targeted them, called them murderers, um, told them they're supporting a murderer. 
they started losing business and a lot of them, you know, couldn't handle that, you know, emotionally and financially. So um, shockingly, business is interesting. Like we have a lot of clients, a lot, a lot of people are supporting us, but I'm having to find more stylists to kind of fill those stations to accommodate those clients because I lost so many stylists. I have no regrets. I mean, it really sucks and it's, it's really hurtful to lose those people that claim to have stood by you. But, um, I don't have any regrets because the people that are with me now, they support me. Um, they are diehard. They stand for what I, you know, I believe in and what, if we get locked down again, they know I'm not going to shut down. Um, so their job is safe. So it's just, that was just a very, like I said, you know, everything's Things have happened that I didn't expect. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to lose my entire salon staff, not staff, but, you know, independent contractors um, over all of this. I really thought, I mean, I, I believe in what I did. I still do. I always will. I believe it was the right decision. And I think that because I think that if it were me, I would stand behind the owner no matter what and say, I, I, I so strongly am so proud of you and thankful that I'm here no matter what. And I do have quite a few girls that have done that, but it was shocking how many didn't. Sure, sure. That happens. And I mean, in life in general, because first I want to applaud you for real, because what what you did was just standing up for what you feel is the the right to work, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the pursuit of the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness is what we've talked about even a lot in the documentary. And that's, that's like fundamentally of what this country was built on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole reason why everybody was coming over from England and why we established the colonies, you know, taxation without representation. And that's that's also really what happened with the pandemic, I feel anyways. And I'm making I may be making a political statement right now, but it's more like I Do feel it. like I'm making a human statement, right? Not a yes. political statement, a freaking Do human it. statement because it. Everyone around here, I mean, I work in a in an essential industry, right? Because I, I'm not just okay. a podcaster. I have a cybersecurity company. We were mm-hmm. essential services, right? I was even at the White House a couple weeks ago talking with the administration <laughs> about cybersecurity. Yes, human trafficking. You didn't on, invite me to I'm the White sorry. House? I'm sorry. <laughs> next time, for real. <laughs> yeah, next time. I'm, this is on the podcast. This is being recorded, by the I know, way. Right? Next now, time. Now I'm locked in, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but when, but cybersecurity, you know, I started thinking, and this was like one of the, my own conundrums going through the past couple months. It's like, I'm essential, right? I'm mm-hmm. essential. The first thought is like, whoopee, great. But then the second thought was, I never determined myself whether I was essential or not. I had somebody else that told me that I was, and then told the person down the street that they're not. Right. Just because of a different field of industry, you know, and mm-hmm. I started looking and it's like, well, what about everybody else? You know, because if there's there's non-essential services that actually make my business function that 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 serve my business. And I can't think of the industries right now, but it was just who's deciding this. And the point is, is that there were there were other things, bodies, you know, that empty governor box, if you want to call it that, that were now mm-hmm. deciding who could work and who couldn't, who could earn money and who could not. Right. What is that? I think that might be that, called communism some places. Yes. It's called tyrannical behavior. It's called control. Yep. It's called, yeah, it's, it's horrific. Um, but it's not a political a statement friends. though. It's human statements. That is human. human. That is very human. Um, that, that's what's, that was what was frustrating for me when I opened and I had, you know, certain political sides feel one way and certain political sides feel another way. And I, I clearly have a political side. I think you could probably guess what it is, but I thought this isn't mm. political. This has nothing to do with which party I represent or wh- who I voted for, for president. I just want to do hair. I, I have a right to pay my bills. I have a right to feed my children. I have a, a right to not lose everything I've worked for because you, the government wants to shut me down for two months. How does, how is that left or right propaganda? Like, how is it Republican or Democrat? How is it not just, I'm a human being. I have a right to work my trade and provide for my family. You got it. I, uh, where, where do you see this going? Cause it, you know, I know that your future is sort of like up in the air right now, but let's just say even like by the end of the year, where, where do you see okay. yourself landing? What, what do you, like if you could wave a magic wand, what would you want to happen? Maybe that's a better question. Ooh, okay. If I could make, if I could wave here, you gave me a like free for all here. If I could wave <laughs> a magic wand, my OSHA citation would get thrown out, which I do believe it's going to. <clears throat> I would settle or um, resolve my case against Oregon and win. I would definitely win. 
Yep. Um, I, I would like to win. Um, I would like to win money that I can put back into my nonprofit. Cause I have a nonprofit organization since all this started that I opened with the GoFundMe money. And I would really like to take, to take on the role that I've been kind of handed, which is being a patriot for small businesses. I I'm liking it. I enjoy it. I enjoy being, you know, a, a teeny, teeny, tiny public figure. Um, <laughs> I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy that I get to stand up for something I believe in. Um, I enjoy being passionate about it. Um, it would be, if, it would be fantastic if I could keep this, this role going, you know, I can't do it as a career. It, it doesn't pay. So that's why I, you know, I want to win my suit, put some money in the nonprofit, work for the nonprofit and go support and do stuff for other small businesses that have suffered way more than I have. I would, I would love to do that, to travel and help other small businesses. We talked a little bit about that a couple months ago when we met too, and you were just in the phase of hope really like establishing your nonprofit at that point, from what I remember, mm-hmm. what, what, uh, what's the goals of your nonprofit? You know, because I, I know you're saying being this teeny tiny little public figure, right? Yeah. I mean, the nonprofit doesn't mean like, <laughs> doesn't mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean like running for political office. That's a separate thing. But what's the, what's the nonprofit? Where do you see that fitting in? Because I know you said travel before. You mentioned that a couple months ago too. I remember that. Yeah, I do. I like to travel. Um, well, so the nonprofit's goal is to do what it's doing for me. So right now my nonprofit is paying the legal fees that are suing the governor um, for their tyrannical overreach. What I'd like to do is have enough money in that nonprofit to do that for other businesses. For example, there is a cafe in Salem, Cafe 22. They refuse to enforce masks on their employees. Um, and they have now been cited the same, almost the exact same citation that I have from OSHA. They've gotten a $13,900 citation. It's called a willful violation, which is what I did. I was willfully in violation. I knew what I was doing and I was doing it anyway. Hmm. They received that citation. As far as I'm aware, they don't have a GoFundMe up. As far as I'm aware, they haven't retained an OSHA attorney. And I don't know if they're just going to pay it and move along. Or, I mean, there's a lot of different choices when you when you get that citation. You, you can pay it and then get another one. You can fight it and then they can't, you can stay open while you fight it and you don't have to pay it while you fight it, but they don't have anyone helping them and, yeah. and I can help them and I'm trying to help them. I've called, you know, the husband to say, I want you to speak to my attorney. But then when it comes to, okay, who's going to pay those attorney fees and who's going to pay the citation while we fight this, it can't be me. Cause like, you know, my nonprofit needs to pay for my lawsuit. But if there was more to it, I could say, hey, you know what? We're going to take you on. That's the whole goal here is we're going to take your case. I'm going to pay for your attorney through my nonprofit. I'm going to fight this with you. And then you've made this bold stand and you aren't doing it alone. That's awesome. And is this something you see spreading throughout the whole U.S. too? I would love that. That's awesome. I would love to do that. I don't I don't just I I my heart hurts for Oregon. Um, because I believe that there's a lot more government overreach in Oregon. It's a very, very liberal state. And um, the governor is very, I mean, if you've seen, have you seen her tweets at all? <laughs> no, I don't, don't, her I don't follow. <laughs> she is kind of psycho. She's, she's pretty psycho. So, I mean, she's allowed Oregon to burn. It's, it, yeah. these, the wildfires, if you've seen them, they there there's arsons. There's on record at least ten oh, arsonists yeah, that's how they arrested. Started. Yep, you got but it. But she she literally is pushing the agenda that no one has started these fires, and it's so sad how many lives will be lost. Well, she you know she did all kinds of things that that could have prevented these fires. She pulled firefighters out. She didn't let um, civilians go in to fight when they were hmm. willing. She just let it spread. But you know. They need our help a lot. You know, Oregon needs yeah. our help a lot because of that, because of her. Um, but I would love to see other states, you know, survive this too. And and I'd love to do this all over the U.S. if I could. That's awesome. Where can everyone yeah. find you and start and keep following what's going on with you and then also hopefully join your fight? Okay, well, so before I announce my public page, I have to tell the story behind it because it's so funny. Do it, yep. Um, it was just Lindsey Graham public public page, and it's spelled the same way as Lindsey Graham, the senator, the senator in yeah. <laughs> South Carolina. 
Um, I do get hate messages for him, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Because um, he's such so, a stand-up guy, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had a hater, if you will, um, make a meme out of my picture wearing my Keep America Great hat. And she called me <laughs> Patriot Barbie. <laughs> and she very clearly meant to insult me. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of like that name. So I looked up, you know, I looked up the dictionary definition of Patriot. I looked up the dictionary definition of Barbie. And I, you know, wrote a post about why I'm supposed to be insulted by being called this particular name. And my little following said, I think that that's your new name. So my new name is Patriot Barbie. And that's my public page. So if you look up Lindsey Graham, (laughs) Patriot Barbie, (laughs) (laughs) that is my new page. And I've got girls um, from my hometown saying, uh, are you making tank tops? Because I want a tank top. So now That's I'm looking great. for that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You need, a, yeah. you need a badass logo now to go with that. Yes, with I'm, I'm working on that actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think that's, uh, yeah, but, okay. We're, we're going to do, a, we're going to do some things. That's, uh, yes. that's about it. Yes, for sure. Patriot I'm excited. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a Patriot Barbie. You're going to yeah. do tank tops. That's, that's beautiful. Tank I love tops, it. Tops, hats. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I might need to get a Patriot Barbie tattoo now. That's a, yeah, you do. Come on now. You got to represent the brand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's so great. I, I'm pumped for what's going to happen over the next couple months because it, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, things can go one way or the other with the election coming up, of course. You know, I think this episode should air, should publish before then. And when this airs, it, the documentary will be out too, Liberty Lockdown. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Wonderful. Because so that's only a couple of days away when we're recording this here at the beginning of October. But then uh, I'm, I'm excited because the whole thing, I mean, we did like 18 to 20 interviews which mm-hmm. was, you know, like two, you know, like 25, 30 hours worth of footage that was then condensed down in addition to all the other footage. But we're releasing after that, like full length interviews as like oh, wow. the vault of all of them. Because, you know, even though we spent what, like an hour and a half together, something like that, you know, right. and that was just, that was even after Jeff was doing things at your home and filming things at your home. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know yet because I haven't seen it, but even like the death threat scenario, if that made it past the cutting room floor. But those were such right. moments and thinking about where we were and where you're at now and where you're going to, I love your nonprofit. I absolutely love it. And it's amazing. That's something that just needs to continuously be funded because whether it's the pandemic now or whether it's another crisis next year, you know, maybe mm-hmm. something like a 9-11 or whatever it is, this sort of established precedent as far as government overreach does to see how far people can be pushed. Yeah, and you stood up, and I commend you for that. It's amazing. I'm trying to get the message out. We're on the same side of the boat. We're we're gonna rock it and let the haters fly because they're gonna come up with great ideas for us, like Patriot Barbie. Yes, (laughs) they think they're smart, but then they give us great ideas. All right. Yep, yep. They've they've just made me stronger. The more the the harder and the meaner and the more violent they've come after me, the more I realize. I wouldn't do that to them. Yeah. I, so I'm on the side of right. And when you know what, when you know you're on the side of right, it makes you that much stronger. I've had some moments where I've questioned myself, but nope, I'm, I'm done questioning it. And the more and more this government overreach goes on, the more I realize that from the very beginning, we should have been pushing back. So it's, it's been six months. It's been six months since they did this to us. I don't know if People are realizing that that's a long time. They took away half of our year. Yeah. Um, enforcing, you know, illegal laws on us or not even laws, just regulations and mandates. So I'm excited to see the pushback. I think it's starting to turn. That's great. The biggest thing that made me smile today was you saying that the child services is backed off because that, that was yeah. one of the things that there, w- there was only a couple moments when I was filming that would bring me to tears and I didn't cry in front of you. I didn't do that. Not Ooh. in front of you. Yeah, I know. I cried in front of a pastor, though. Well, up a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was, it was there. But when you're talking, I mean, I'm a dad, you know, and I can't, I can't imagine that, you know. And I'm going to save a lot of it for the film and for the interview. But there was just some things that you said that were just, they were gut wrenching. Yeah, I, I look back on that time, and there was so much going on that I, I can't even fathom. I, I can't even remember how intensely I felt. Yeah. But when they handed me the paper about what would happen if they took my children away. Yeah, it was like I actually, you know, stopped and had these moments where I 
I pictured my daughter screaming for me, mom, like in the movies, you know, where she's reaching for me and they're taking her away and I'm trying to keep calm, but I'm everything in me wants to, you know, shoot the person holding her and grab her. It's like, how does the government do that to me just for trying to work? I mean, how does, how does anyone in, in their, in their right mind and their conscience say, this is, I know that I'm doing the right thing by threatening her children. Well, wow. right? I know, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I really stop it. <laughs> Thank you for being on. We're going to keep in touch over the next couple of weeks and months too. I'm excited because when this thing releases, when you get out there, I want to see you blow up. That's it. I want to see your nonprofit take off. That's yeah, fantastic. I probably give people my nonprofit's website. It's not very awesome, but it's a place where you can go kind of check out what's going on sometimes. Yeah. Um, what is it? Go for it. It's glamourinstituteforfreedom.org. Awesome. Everyone needs to go there. Everyone needs to follow Lindsay, lindsay.gram7, right? That's Instagram. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Follow Lindsay, watch her journey, and then just see her as a real amazing patriot and just an example for everybody. That's awesome. So you're amazing. You're Thank amazing. You, Thank you. Thanks. That's Thank all you, I got. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get just stop it. Go away. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you can't do this to me. Okay. Oh, I'm going to do it all over again, you said. <laughs> yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, that's it then. I have nowhere to end it. We're just going to be done. All right. <laughs> Thank Bye. you, Lindsay. Bye. <laughs> hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.